imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global episode. I am so glad to welcome all of you to today's program with Linda Mbagwu. She is a powerhouse, and I can't wait to dive into today's discussion all around this idea of limiting beliefs. Now, have you ever made a statement like, I'm not very good at math, or "Eh, actually, I have two left feet, and so I wouldn't make a very good dancer? Well, these are examples of limiting beliefs and they put you in a corner in your own making. They falsely define who you are. A limiting belief is actually a state of mind, a conviction or a belief that you believe to be true that actually limits you in some way. A limiting belief could be about you. It could be about your interactions with other people, with the world or how the world works. But what if I told you that we have all made one decision about ourselves that is dominating literally every area of our life, and it could be stopping you from manifesting your desires. As humans, we only make about 5% of our decisions consciously. The other 95% of our lives are controlled by our subconscious mind. And today's guest, Linda Mbagwu, will teach us that 70% of our subconscious mind actually consists of limiting beliefs that are learned from past experiences. Limiting beliefs can have a number of negative effects on you. They could keep you from making good decisions, good choices, taking on new opportunities, or even reaching your potential. Ultimately, limiting beliefs can keep you stuck in a negative state of mind and actually hinder you from living the life that you truly desire. Now, the good thing about limiting beliefs is that you have the power to change them literally at any time. This doesn't mean that doing so is going to be an easy process, but commitment and a greater level of self-awareness can actually make it possible. So after working with a number of clients over a number of years, Linda has actually designed a framework that helps leaders identify the one limiting belief that drives the majority of their decisions. By knowing what this limitation is, Linda can help her clients create new choices, see new possibilities, and fast-track their personal growth and achieve exponential results in areas of their lives quickly and with ease. Now, I got to tell you, that sounds absolutely amazing to me. So I can't wait to dive into this topic with Linda. But first, let me tell you just a moment about Linda Mbagwu. Her entrepreneurial endeavor started at the age of about 25 when she launched her first business, which get this, she grew into multiple millions of dollars in four years. With her passion for empowering people, she started her career in coaching and then went on to work with FTSC 500 corporations, executives, entrepreneurs all around the world with her own unique process. I can't wait to learn more about this with Linda. 
Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me me on. I'm so honored. I love everything you're doing with leadership. It's such an amazing community. So to be able to contribute and to have this conversation, and uh, I'm just very honored and grateful. Thank you. Oh, Linda, it's our honor. We are so excited to dive into this conversation. So first, let's talk a little bit about how you define limiting beliefs and where they come from. How is it that as adults, we may actually have beliefs that limit our potential? How does that happen? Well, it starts from the first trauma we experience. So I always describe our lives like a movie. So as soon as we're born, the movie of our life starts. And then we hit our first trauma. And it could be that mom shouted at me or mom told me I can have ice cream for breakfast and then said no. Or the teacher uh, made me say something in front of the the school and the class and I didn't have an answer. Whatever that first traumatic experience is, the movie gets malfunctioned because we make a decision about ourselves that we're not enough. And then we are currently, we we kind of are on a loop on that um, decision. So now we go through the rest of life looking for evidence that this belief is true. So we're not actually responding to life as it is, we're responding to life through the perception of the decision we've made, which is why you can have 10 people in a room, play them a movie, and you'll have 10 different interpretations because they're seeing it through the lens of their decision. And the decision they make is unique to them, but it's gonna be, the fundamental is I'm not enough. Mine is I'm not valuable. For someone else, it could be I'm not respected, I'm not considered, I'm not, acknowledge and then we build our personality around it because we create a defense mechanism to prevent us from having that same pain so then when we're in our adult years it manifests in three ways we go through life looking for evidence that this belief is true so someone might raise their eyebrow in a meeting and we're like yep see I knew he didn't respect me All he did was raise his eyebrow. That's what happened in reality. But this is how we're gathering information along the way, which then activates our automatic pattern to defend ourselves from it. When we don't see the evidence, we actually manufacture situations in our lives to give us the outcome so that we can be right that it's true. So for example... You might have someone who feels their root decision is I'm not appreciated. So what they do is they exert themselves doing things for other people and having an idea of what appreciation looks like for them. And when those people don't show appreciation in that way, they get to be right that they're not appreciated. And then the third way it shows up is that when someone actually appreciates that person, they push it away because they can't, they can't um, afford to believe that anything is anything other than they're not appreciated is true because then they won't be able to run their defense mechanism so even though it ends up protecting us in life and it actually builds certain strengths and it allows us to achieve certain things it ends up being a vicious cycle that keeps us stuck and operating small in all areas of our lives that makes sense linda i have to ask you what what created such passion around helping people overcome their limiting beliefs? What was it that sparked that passion and that purpose in you? If I'm being honest, I actually didn't want to. I grew up as the eldest child of seven children, and I've been pretty much the the mom of my siblings from the age of around nine years old, because um, my mom divorced my dad. We were in London 
by ourselves. And when she remarried, her second husband became schizophrenic. So her attention went towards caring for him and I became the mom of the house. So when I actually hit a, a bit of a rock bottom when I was 25 years old, I um, had fallen into depression for the second time, had two failed suicide attempts, moved into my car, was homeless for three weeks. And that's when my transformational journey began. Um, thank God for my mom. She introduced me to meditation at the age of 11. So I had a spiritual foundation, but um, I had, I started noticing in my late teens that I had these two ways of being. One was really grounded and focused and the other was angry, controlling, resentful, just not really a nice person to be, be with. And I had, I put so much pressure on myself to be a certain way. And um, all of the, I was working 12 to 18 hours a day, sometimes doing all nighters. And I had this ambition to become a millionaire so I can take care of my family and the pressure I was putting on myself eventually broke me. And when I started working with coaches, that's how I started understanding, even though I knew the truth of who I was, from a spiritual sense, how I had formed my personality. And it was through the coaching that I started breaking some of those limiting beliefs and um, catching them in action and making different choices. Um, but my coaches would tell me that they think I would make a good coach and I would fight them and say, I've got no interest in being a coach whatsoever. Why would I go from having the burden of looking after my family all of my life and not having a childhood to go in to find people to hire to pay me to look up I was like no that makes no sense whatsoever um but when I left my business in 2016 and I went on this quest to find my purpose I just kept it was just in my face all over the place so like, you should coach you should coach you should coach and when I um had my first client and was able to get the results that I was able to get for him if the level of um, fulfillment and excitement that came from that was something that I, it's still hard to describe. It's still, it, I still, it still has that effect on me. So that's when I was, I started making sense of my past and thinking maybe I've gone through all of this to prepare me to be able to support others in areas that are challenging them and holding them back. So that's how I got into it. What an incredibly inspirational story, Linda. And thank you so much for being so open and sharing such a very personal and traumatic journey. Holy cow. But it does make sense that all of your past led you to this point to lift people up, to help encourage them, to help support them as they overcome their limiting beliefs. So if I were a client of yours, how would you begin the process of identifying what those limiting beliefs are that I may be adhering to? If I were to come to you, I would say, I have no limiting beliefs. I think I'm amazing. So how would you begin the process of uncovering what those limiting beliefs really are? Yeah. So, um, if someone comes to me and says they have no limit in belief, then I automatically assume that they should be a guru because they're enlightened. So <laughs> that's the first thing. Even me with all the work I've done, I'm still have my, my root trigger shows up in different ways. So it's a constant evolution of the journey. And every time you, you shift a layer, you attract more abundance in your life, but then you, you still are limiting yourself. You're never fully at your full potential. So no matter how successful my client is, every time I speak to them, regardless of the view that everyone around them has, whether they're inspirational or they've got it all figured out and they've got it together, deep down, they know that they're not scratching the um, surface of their full potential. And it's because of their limits and beliefs. So the first thing that I would do is try to firstly identify 
the area that's more, most important to the person in terms of the results that they're not getting that they want to get, then I will put, so everyone goes through a standard process and I'm not the sort of coach that is hired for years on end and I'm your partner throughout the whole journey of life. I'm, I designed the process because I invested probably between three and 400,000 within the space of 18-ish months on my own personal development when I left my company. And I kept asking to myself, how can this, how can I do this myself? And I've created the process to be able to facilitate other people in becoming their own coach. So the first thing I do is put them through the first phase of my power framework, which is helping them get to that root belief. Because once they know that, they don't need to know anything else. It's like 10 years of therapy in one, you never need to look at the past. And the, the process is designed to look at eight painful or traumatic memories you have from your past. And I ask some very um, specific crafted questions against each of those, um, those stories. And what the client starts realizing is that they're giving me the same answer for all of the stories. And it's because we're just running one pattern, but this is the first time they start becoming aware that, oh, wow, I've been thinking that that person did something to me or that situation hurt me, but it's just my interpretation of what's happened that has caused me the pain. So once we figure out the pattern, then I have a way of drawing it down to the root belief. And then once we get the root belief, I test it against some recent triggers to see if it's at the root of what, because it could, anything from like stumping your toe on the table to um, going through a breakup, you're always making it mean the fundamental root belief minus I'm not valued. So I, I, I stump my toe and I believe that I, I don't value enough myself enough to not be silly enough to stump my toe. So I judge myself and that's what it causes me the pain and anger or frustration in relation to that issue. So once we find the root belief, the second phase of the program is to get the person um, very connected to how much the root trigger is pretty much running all of their lives. So you said something at the start, which is very, very important in this process that 95% of everything we do is run by our subconscious mind. So a lot of us think we're in control, but we're just on autopilot based on the patterns that are stored in our subconscious mind. And 70% of those are limiting beliefs. So because we're so numb to how many times we're triggered during the day and how many times we're operating from that limited belief, the first assignment that all my clients have to do is observe their triggers. And all all of a sudden they realize they're triggered more than they're not and then they get frustrated which is they're like what do I do what do I just keep watching it and the reason I keep I just get them to sit with it and observe it and just notice how much they're triggered is because if they're sick and tired enough of it they might build up enough willpower to go against it because that's the last thing your mind wants to do is step out of your defense mechanism because you literally will feel like you're going to die because your mind is designed to protect you. So once you become aware of it, then I teach you how to create a little bit of space between the reaction from the feeling of the trigger to the reaction. In that space, once you get used to creating that space, the third step is to be able to consciously analyze what's actually happening compared in comparison to what you're making it mean. And when you can see that there's a disparity between the two, it becomes easier to interrupt the pattern. And the way to interrupt the pattern is to do the opposite. So the re-trigger is what the reason why you're interpreting the world through a lens of pain. But the opposite to that is your purpose. So I said earlier, that the pain that we go through in our childhood 
it trains us for our gifts. So someone who didn't feel a sense of belonging when they were a child ends up being someone who is really, really good at creating a sense of belonging for others because they knew what they wanted to be loved. So they become an expression of that way of loving. But the extent in which they can always operate from that space is limited to the extent in which they're being held back by their trigger and looking for evidence of it. So in order to interrupt the pattern, I teach my clients to check in with their inner child and say, in this moment, what do I need to give myself to feel valued? And when you can love yourself, your adult self can love your inner child um, in this moment to heal the love that wasn't received, then you start to become more whole. Then self-love starts to grow. And then if you can do it, if it involves someone else, the interaction or the trigger involves someone else, and you can ask yourself, okay, well, this is what I need to give myself. And how can I give myself that in a way that makes that person feel valued or belonging or loved or whatever the the opposite of the root trigger is, then you're not putting more fear into the world. So then you interrupt the pattern, you heal your inner child, you do it in a way that creates um, kindness in the world. And then it interrupts your your brain's mechanism that if we don't believe that we're not good enough, then things are gonna blow up in our world. You start getting new evidence that, oh my gosh, I took a different action and I created a new result. And then you start feeding the um, subconscious data with new information which reprograms the neurology so once we know all of those steps and I build them so that you can get used to doing them then we go into application so I get my clients to pick a really ambitious audacious north star goal that they want to achieve whether it's attracting a new relationship whether it's um getting a promotion start growing their business raise an investment whatever the case may be and then we work on taking a massive action every week, because by taking that, creating that big action, all of the resistance is gonna come to the surface. And then that gives us data to use those tools to interrupt it. And that's when magic starts to happen in their lives. They start to see lots of synchronicities and opportunities start popping up and they create immense results. And even if they're focusing on one area, because they're fundamentally shifting the pattern, everything else starts to change in their relationships and their relationship with themselves, their relationships with their family, their relationships with their colleagues, the results in their business, et cetera. And so that's the whole process. Got it. Okay. So you've mentioned a lot of terminology there that I would love to break down a little bit. So one of the things that you talked about is triggers and resistance and then root beliefs and you noted that there are eight traumatic events that normally um, happen over the course of time that end up kind of creating a bit of a pattern around a root belief. I'm not competent, I'm not lovable, I'm not valued, whatever that root belief is. And those traumatic events, the meaning that we assign to those traumatic events reinforce that root belief. So how do you begin uncovering what that root belief is? And then what are, can you give us an example of some of the triggers that might manifest for our audience, um, that might manifest in a daily life that would reinforce that root belief that was caused by the traumatic experiences? Right. So, um, so the eight stories are just a way for me to get to the root belief. So I asked a set of six or seven questions for each story. And as the client is answering the story, they start realizing that they're given the same answer. And it's from that, that I'm able to see what is coming up the most, which then usually guides me to the root belief. That's great. And then we also talked a little bit about, you talked about resistance and triggers. 
So I'd love to have you define that a little bit and talk about what are some of the triggers that our audience could be experiencing on a daily, weekly basis that might, again, reinforce that limiting belief that they may be suffering from. Yeah, so a trigger is a low vibrational emotion. So as humans, everyone says humans are complicated. We're really not that complicated. The two types of emotions we're having are either fear-based or love-based. The fear-based emotions are what we might term as negative emotions. So they make us contract. They make us want to retreat. They make us want to defend ourselves and protect ourselves and justify ourselves. So that could be anger, irritation, sadness, all of these um, feelings that are, um, are negative. And then there are expansive feelings like happiness and um, gratitude and love. And those are high vibrational emotions. So usually when we're feeling a low vibrational emotion, we send a message to our brain that we're that's a trigger. So we need to protect ourselves. If someone or something has made us feel sad, we need to run our pattern in order to be safe. So the examples of how, of the types of trigger that the audience might experience could be, I am a small business owner and I know that I need to get my, my work out there. But if I believe that I'm not valuable, then I'm scared to put out a social media post because people might not value my work and then that might make me believe that I was silly for even trying to start this so that will stop me I will do everything else and distract myself and be, be busy with everything else but doing the thing that I need to do that's going to get my business to the next level or it could be that no one appreciates me so you're in the workplace and you are looking for evidence so someone might say um can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And you you just, you say yes, because your, your survival is to try to make people appreciate you. So you dishonor yourself and you take on too much and then you're overwhelmed and you're overworked. And because people are like, oh, she's so nice. She just keeps doing that. They keep asking you, but then you get angry and resentful because you haven't filled yourself up. And you're like, see, no one appreciates me. They just think I'm a slave and they want to do, but really you're creating that situation because you're not setting boundaries. You're not letting anyone know that you can't cope because your survival mechanism is trying to get them to appreciate you. So you're scared that if you tell them no, that they won't appreciate you, but instead you believe they don't appreciate you anyway. So this is how it's a vicious cycle. And it could show up in multiple different ways in multiple areas, but hopefully that gives you an idea of how. Those are great examples, Linda. Thank you so much. And so let's dive into this idea of resistance a little bit too. What does that really mean and how does that show up? Um, thinking about, you know, for those people that are listening or watching this program, how would they maybe experience this idea of resistance? How could we explain it in a way that they would say, aha, that is me. I see myself in that every single day. Yeah, so resistance is really just avoidance of moving forward. So you have a desire that you really, really want or you think you want. So this is the, the it's a really interesting point. We have these desires and we think we want them so bad, but that's the 5% of us. That's a conscious desire. And then we wonder like, why can't I just get this to happen? Why am I not making it happen? And it's because 95% of you is designed to protect you from anything that it doesn't know. And if well, the thing that you want, you've never had before, it's an unknown. So it's, it's a threat to your survival. 
So resistance come when you make excuses. So for example, when I was starting my recruitment business, I had gone through some experiences in the corporate world before I started my business. And for 18 months, even though I was getting meetings and was having good conversations and getting recruitment contracts, it would always figure out. And I would say to myself, oh, no one takes me seriously because I'm a black woman in a white male dominated industry. Unlike all of my other colleagues that started businesses, I am bootstrapping and they've got investment and other people have got partners and a team and I didn't have a team. So all of those excuses are ways to validate us staying stuck and keeping safe. But anytime you're making an excuse or you're complaining or you're justifying or you're defending, it's just a matter of resistance because your brain is like a computer. If you ask it quality questions, it will give you quality answers. So if you say, I don't know what to do or I can't do this, your brain says, okay, boss, I hear you, we stop. But if you say, what is the way that I can do X, Y, Z, you will for sure come up with ideas, but those ideas will be very scary to you because you're going to have to step into a different version of yourself, especially if it's something you've never done before in order to be used to get new results. But then your brain says, we don't know Linda in that capacity. So we don't really want to do that. So let's, well, I can't do that because, and then you start making your, then you start experiencing resistance. So that's how resistant, what resistance is and how it might look in practice. I love that. And you make it so simple. Every time I make an excuse, every time I procrastinate, every time I start comparing myself to others negatively, every time I start feeling like a goal is insurmountable, an objective is too hard, I'm not enough, I'm not sufficient, I'm not, I don't have the right background, the right education, the right connections, whatever it is that is a form of resistance. So I love that, Linda, you've made that so clear and so easy. So if someone says, okay, you know what, based on the incredible advice and guidance of Linda, I get it now. Like I really understand probably what my limiting belief is, probably where it came from, absolutely how it's triggering me. And even where I'm throwing up a lot of resistance to change, I get it now. I understand that but how do I overcome it? That resistance is really strong. So how do I begin to take the steps necessary to overcome my limiting belief and recognize, yes, I'm being triggered. Yes, I definitely feel the resistance, but I'm still gonna take that next step to overcome. Um, so it's a really simple answer. The way to, um, to overcome it is to feel the fear and do it anyway because on the other side of that you give your brain new you give your brain more information new information you build self-confidence because you overcame it and then you know what's possible so then it's easier to take an action again but again that's easier said than done so the reason why I put people through my process a lot of people are going to listen to this and say oh that's mine um I'm not valued as mine or I'm not considered as mine and it's never ever what like I never know what it is so I've got a um, an online circle that I do where people who haven't gone through my process or maybe can't afford it can get coaching from me 
I can't figure out people's roots. I can see the patterns in what they're saying, but I can't figure out the root. There's something freeing about, it's almost like if something is in the background running you and you don't know what it is, then how do you know what to do about it? But there's something about becoming very hyper aware of exactly how you're creating every single result in your life that gives you a little bit more power to push past that resistance that comes through because now you're not playing, you're, you're kind of not fooling yourself. You're either in your limiting belief or you're outside of it there's no confusion there's no room for excuses there's no anything like that um so the simple answer but difficult answer is to take actions in alignment to what you want regardless of the fear, the fear that you feel if you do that consistently you will repro reprogram your limiting beliefs to and it it's a constant journey so some of my clients get frustrated because they're like they experience this new level of expansion and then they hit their next level of growth and I'm, I say to them get used to enjoying the process treat life as a computer game once you figure out a level you create expansion so the level of problem that you're going to be dealing with at new level this level of expansion is going to be greater so it's going to create call for a greater part of you which means you're going to have to deal with your limitations on a different level and you never get what you can't handle so instead of trying to have an attachment to I will be set when I don't have any limitations that's it happens to some people, people experience enlightenment, but don't make that your goal. Make it an, a curiosity. Like I'm excited because I'm feeling fear. So that means that on the other side of this, I'm going to like experience a new version of myself and see new experiences. And, but yeah, so the, the simple answer is take actions in alignment with what you want, regardless of the fear that you have, because your brain is reacting like yours. You've got a lion attacking you and that's not the case. So if you can get clear that you're just creating some past trauma and projecting it onto the present experience, then it might give you some courage to take the action regardless. And if you do that consistently enough, you'll stop being scared about that specific thing and then face the next level. And I've got to think that that's where having a coach or an accountability partner like you is so helpful because it's easy to sort of say, I'll deal with that tomorrow, or I'll think about that later, or, you know, yes, I'll face that fear, but not right now, I'm really busy. <laughs> so there's lots of ways of sort of edging around doing the necessary work to, to take your performance to the next level and really truly overcome your limiting beliefs. So working with a coach, working with an accountability partner that really does encourage and support you through the journey, I would think would be really the key to success there. And Linda, I can think of not a better coach not a better partner through that journey than you. Um, and for all of our leadership global audience members, I just want to remind you that you know we've had the privilege and pleasure of speaking with Linda Mbagwa, who is an investment coach, alignment coach, a speaker, an entrepreneur, and who obviously is an incredible expert in limiting beliefs. So Linda, at the very end of the program for all of our guests, I ask one question uniformly, which is about leadership advice. And through your journey, you certainly have experienced a lot of advice and guidance from other leaders as you have also provided quite a bit of leadership advice. So what would you share with our audience that has made a really big impact on your life? The number one thing is to make your personal growth a 
priority because you cannot give to others what you're not giving to yourself. And leaders come out and they say, I want a team that is fearless and motivated and innovative and and they have this pressure on their team and they may be a little bit more of those things than their team members are. But if they really truly look within and ask themselves, am I showing up like that in my world and in my responsibilities? The answer is usually no. So you cannot give what you don't have. The more you expand yourself and release those limiting beliefs as we're speaking about, the more you expand your capacity to support others to do the same. So that would be my key advice. Whatever you're, if you have a team or you have a business, usually your reality is reflecting where you are. So if there's things that you're frustrated about with your team, you are the reflection. They're showing up like that because you are showing up like that. So use your external um, um, results or external relationships to have you look within to ask yourself what am I doing that is causing this result to happen and what can I do to transform it and what new actions will have me step into the type of leader that I want to be to produce the results that I want to produce and if that's your one commitment then you'll be a magnificent leader because your reality will reflect who you are. Oh my gosh, what wonderful advice, Linda. Thank you so much. And thank you for spending 30 minutes with us sharing your incredible expertise, your incredible perspective, and also your lived experience. We are so grateful for your willingness to be so open, so transparent, and so inspirational. So thank you so much, Linda Mbagwu. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for joining Leadership Global's award-winning podcast. As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>